Amen. Thank you so much, Jonathan. You know, I think it's so cool that we have people read the scripture and the passage that we're over. I think that's just incredible. I think there's something important about reading the scripture out loud. Uh, and so if you're new with us, if you've been here for a long time, or if you're still curious how to say my name, my name is Misael Gonzalez or Misael Gonzalez, whatever kind of spice you want to put on that. I won't force it on you. It's okay. Uh, but man, I'm so thankful to be here with you guys. I'm so thankful to be in this campus. I have such a love for this campus and for the Owasso campus and for the church. And so thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here to really walk through a passage of scripture together. I think that's incredible and I feel so honored. And I feel like I have to tell you guys this little story. Uh, the last time I preached, it was May 17th at Wallace Avenue Baptist Church. And this is the church I was at before coming here. And we're having like a drive-in service. And so it was out in the street. We had a trailer. And the long story short, I preached through a standoff. I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, like, down the road over here, there's, like, sirens and people and cops. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Great illustration, right? It's coming back together because everyone was like, and I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord, please help me. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you know, guys, we're here. And so I've learned now what to pray for before preaching. And I pray this. I say, Lord, please, no standoffs. So I prayed that today, uh, and I'm very hopeful and very confident that will not happen this morning. Uh, and so we just got done with a sermon series called A King's Tale. And it was this great sermon series, if you're a part of it, where we learned that Jesus is the greatest king. And his message and his gospel is the greatest cause that we could ever live for. And right now I feel so honored that I get to introduce this new sermon series that we have called The Gospel Adventure. And really it's this refocus of, I don't know if you guys remember back in January, that felt like three years ago, but back in January we, we had this gospel focus called the platform. And so this platform that we have is really this God-given platform that really represents the, the principles in which we stand for and, and the plans in, in which we intend to follow and the place of our greatest influence, like Susan talked to us about in that video. And so we talked about a couple of things about how we are to see people the way that God sees people and be moved with compassion the way that God moves with compassion. And we talked about some really practical steps. And I want to remind us of that and share that with you guys this morning. And it is, it is this. It is that we are to pray for someone every single day. We are to thank someone every single day and express this gratitude. We are to serve someone every single day. Listen to someone every single day and share our story of transformation with someone every single day. And if you remember, uh, you guys were asked, hey, set an alarm for 9.36 in the morning to remind yourselves of these practical things that we are to do as believers within the platform in which we are in. And so I just wanted to make sure we reminded us of where we are, where we've been, and kind of where we're going. And so now we come to Luke, right? And I think it's important a little bit to get a little bit of the background of what's going on in Luke. And so in Luke chapter 18, uh, it's also, this story is also in Matthew chapter 20. It's also in Mark chapter 10. And what's so cool about the Gospels, I don't know if you noticed this, but they all really tell the same profound and rich story of the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They all tell the same story, but they all kind of have different angles in which they approach it. And it's all true, and I just think it's so cool. And when it comes to Luke, he wrote his account around 70 to 85 AD. And if you look at chapter 1, you see that he wrote this because he wanted to do uh, like a detailed and orderly account 
of Jesus. And what's so awesome about Luke, uh, just his little unique little quirks and attributes that he uses to share the gospel, is that he emphasizes on things like food, which is awesome, right? Prayer, the Holy Spirit, the innocence of Jesus, and he actually mentions women more in his gospel than the other ones. But one thing I want to make sure we get from in, in Luke is that he really emphasizes that Jesus came for the least, the last, and the lost. He came for the least, the last, and the lost. And we see this as we approach chapter 18 and, and Jesus is walking and going on his journey to Jerusalem and he's in this area of Jericho and uh, he, he's just like walking and all of a sudden he just stops. Even though he's on this great mission to the cross, he stops and, and sees a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And so as we come to this passage, I hope we see ourselves and we learn from Bartimaeus and even the crowd that was with Jesus but ultimately, I hope that we learn from Jesus himself. And so as we get to this text, I want us to see that as Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he had compassion and healed a blind na man named Bartimaeus, who cried out to him in faith and say, saying, mercy, God, have mercy on me and save me. And the main idea I want us to get from the sermon this morning is that we must be healed by the grace of God from our personal blindness before we can see what God sees, move how God moves in compassion for those around us within our platform. And so in this particular passage, we're going to be looking at three truths about who Jesus is. And we're going to be looking at how we begin to start in this gospel adventure within our platform. And so the first thing is this, that we see in verses 35 through 39, is that Jesus is the powerful promise. Jesus is the powerful promise. And we see that in verse 37 right here where it says, They told him, Bartimaeus, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. What's so fascinating is that in the chapters before this, we see that Jesus had already been healing people. He had already been doing miracles, proclaiming the power of God, that he was God, and raising people from the dead. And it seems as if his reputation had preceded him. And the blind man knew something about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that he had the power of God because he was God himself. And that's why he, he called out in faith saying, Son of David, which is this awesome title declaring Jesus as the Messiah, as Lord, as healer, as, as Savior. And so I think it's important for us to kind of know what this title means, Son of David. Uh, we just got done again with the series A King's Tale. And we got very familiar with the story of David. We got very familiar with his life. And so Bartimaeus is claiming that Jesus is, is the son of David. And so I think for us this morning, it's, it's uh, important to understand the proper, uh, the proper way to view, it, view this because there's a literal sense of what he's saying and there's a theological sense of what he's saying. And quite literally, uh, what Bartimaeus is saying is that he comes from the direct bloodline of David. That Jesus comes from that direct bloodline. And it's so cool because this literal sense actually ties quite beautifully with the theological sense. Because we see how important genealogies are in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3 where it literally 
draws out how Jesus is the promise to Messiah that the entire Old Testament talks about. That the entire Old Testament prophesies that there will one, be, one day be a king who reigns forever. And he's the Messiah and he's the Lord. We see this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. We see in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 16, where God is telling David, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. And your throne will be established forever. You see, once again, Jesus is this promised Messiah, and he has the power of God because he is God. And that is what Bartimaeus understood. And I I don't want us to miss this, but I think Bartimaeus understood this, that only the creator could completely heal his creation. Only the creator could completely heal his creation. And, you know, as I read this, this might seem really silly. This might seem really silly, but... I truly believe that Bartimaeus could see Jesus as this powerful promise because he recognized he was blind. Because if he didn't recognize he was blind, he probably wouldn't be crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see. And so as we think of our gospel platform that, that God has given us, and, we, and, and I hope we see ourselves in Bartimaeus, I think that we can learn that our platform, man, our platform begins with a personal recognition. Our platform begins with a personal recognition. So I talked about my church, Wallace, right? So Wallace was this church about four to five years ago that was on the verge of dying. And it was dwindling down to just very limited people. And it wasn't until they had a personal recognition that they needed the Lord to transform who they were. It wasn't until this personal recognition of like, okay, we're in this community that doesn't look like us. We should probably get outside of the walls in which they were able to do something. So every single individual in that congregation had to have a personal congregation before they could move together. And so that's really what we're talking about right here, is that before we can truly use our platform for the glory of God, we need to recognize who we are and where we are at. And so maybe right now you're in this room and and you need to recognize that you are completely blind. Maybe you need to recognize that you are completely lost without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This grace that completely covers and cleans us and makes us new for really today and tomorrow and the rest of our lives. And maybe right now you're in this room and you're like, okay, Misael, I get it. I'm not completely blind. I have encountered the Lord and been saved by his grace and his mercy and I've seen this immense love, and, and, and Jesus is my complete satisfaction. But man, we still have blind spots. We still have blind spots. I think we can kind of see in, in this passage the crowd and how they rebuked uh, Bartimaeus. And I think that's some of us sometimes, that we, because of sin and we're still tainted by sin, we have these blind spots. And it's one of those things where I ask myself, Lord, where am I blind? As a follower of Jesus, where am I blind? And my question to you is, would you consider yourself someone who is blind? What are you not seeing? What are we not seeing? You know, is sin right now blinding you? Is your pride blinding you? Is pleasure blinding you? Is power blinding you? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. And as Americans living in the United States, I think one area in which we're blind as well is it's kind of the spiritual realm. 
the spiritual battle going on around us every single day. Why is it that when we just go overseas, that's when we see all the supernatural stuff happen? These are questions to really ask ourselves because maybe we're walking around and we're just blind to the people around us. And so right now, some of you have your phones, some of you have a piece of paper, and I'm gonna, I wanna challenge you this morning to write down as we continue to talk and walk through this passage together, write down areas of your life that God is showing you that you're blind. Maybe that's complete blindness. Maybe, maybe that's just some blind spots in your life. And so I wanna really challenge you guys as you think and write down, okay, I'm blind here, I'm blind there. But I also wanna encourage you as you do that. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I pray that we as a church continue to cry out to faith, not only in a piece of paper or on our phone, but we truly cry out to Jesus in faith, recognizing our blindness and our need for healing. Because I think that we first need the Lord and to see like him before we even step into our platform. And so in the verses we just saw, we saw that Jesus is the powerful promise. And next, in the following verses, we see that Jesus is the compassionate king. Jesus is the compassionate king. And we see that here starting in verse 40 where it says, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Lord, I want to see. These verses demonstrate the compassion of Jesus so beautifully. And I think this actually ties in incredibly uh, with our memory verse, Matthew 9.36, that I talked about just a minute ago of when you set your time on your phone. So Matthew 9.36 is, is this memory verse that we have that reminds us of the platform that we have. And this is what Jesus, <clears throat> what Jesus said uh, and, what, and what Matthew said about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. You know, this, for me, this is incredible because time and time again, the scriptures tell us of the compassion of Jesus. It so literally says Jesus had compassion and then he acted upon that. Jesus had compassion and then he healed. He had compassion and then he taught. He had compassion for the least, the last, and the lost. Even though he was ruler of all, he had compassion and he stopped in his tracks for people. Man, when the ruler of all, the creator of everything invisible and visible stops in his tracks for me, oh my goodness. That does something in me that just honestly makes me want to fall at my feet. Because when we think of the compassion of Jesus, the ultimate act of compassion is that this Lord of all, this King of kings, humbled himself. And he put on flesh and he came down to my filth and he became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Everything that Philippians 2 verses 9 and 11 talk about. And that this Jesus had compassion for all mankind. And that he should be and that he will be glorified forever and ever and ever. It honestly cracks me up sometimes that Jesus, on this, on, he's on his mission to the cross. And that he noticed some guy on the side of the road. That he noticed some blind guy on the side of the road. And it's just so interesting to see that this blind guy had the faith to truly cry out to Jesus and declare the truths of Jesus and declare his need for Jesus. And that's the next thing I really want us to see. 
is that our platform begins with a personal declaration. Our platform begins with a personal declaration. Bartimaeus spoke out a spiritual reality into the physical air. He made it real, not just to himself, but to the people around him and to Jesus himself. If you're someone this morning who's sitting here and you've recognized the depth of your sin, the depth of your blindness, the depth of your disobedience and hopelessness, if you're someone who recognizes that this morning, man, I so hope, I so hope that when you hear the beauty and the grace of God, that that has led you or it does lead you to recognizing your filth and to declaring the personal truth and declaration that God, I am blind, but you are the one who helps me see. You are the one who has the power to help me see. And so this morning, I, I want to encourage us and challenge us and, and equip us a little bit of this kind of declaration. And so I, I want to share with you this historical and beautiful declaration of faith that we have that has been passed down through generation through generation of churches and congregations and families of faith. And it's called the Nicene Creed. And I think uh, it's important for us to read the whole thing and really just soak it in because it has some beautiful and rich truths about God and Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit and the, and the triunity of him. And, and some of the words we're going to use, they're a, little, they're a little big. I understand, my guys. I get it. The, the words are going to be kind of, you know, what's going on. But your parents will help you out. If not, talk to me. I'll help you out. So we'll read this together. Is that cool? All right. But. So Nicene Creed says this. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with the glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never, ever end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead into the, the world to come and the life to come. Man, when I read this, this is the lens that I want to see the world through. This is the lens that we are to see the world through and, and our place within it as well. When we speak these truths out, I think that's really, really helpful because I think it begins to allow us to see the spiritual realm that's going on around us because we're speaking of the Lord of the visible and the invisible. And so, really, I have a couple questions again. You know, I've had you write some things down of, 
you know, God, where am I blind? Where are my blind spots? So now my next question is, what is something that you need to declare to the Lord? Do you need to, to, to declare, Lord, these are places in my life, these are situations and people in my life that maybe I've been blind to? Or do you need to declare something to the Lord? Because right now, he's asking us the same question that he asked Bartimaeus. It says right here, what do you want me to do for you? He's asking us that this morning. What do you want me to do with you? And so I encourage you, as you're thinking, write down, Lord, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I long for you to do in my life, in the life of my children, in the life of our church. Because I think it's important to bring out a spiritual reality into the physical air. And so we've seen that Jesus is the powerful promise. He's a compassionate king, but also he's the authoritative answer. Jesus is the authoritative answer. And we see this in verses 42 to 43. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. What a crazy cool answer. You know, Barnabas is like, oh, Jesus, this is what I need. And Jesus is like, yeah, there you go. Boom. And you're like, whoa, that's some authority. That's some authority that Jesus Christ, like, uh, and I don't know, spoke to the eyeball of Bartimaeus and was like, there you go. This same Lord literally has the authority over Bartimaeus' eyeball. I don't think you guys are getting it. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Miraculously, he just knit together. And it just brings us back to that point that only the creator can completely heal his creation. And it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I can't help but look at this passage and, and read how Bartimaeus was healed. And I mean, I can't help but see that Jesus physically healed him. And that Jesus is still in the business of healing people physically. That's still a thing. He still has authority over his creation, over eyeballs. He is still the answer to our problems. He is still the one that we go to. And so I hope and really we ought to truly believe that Jesus is still in the physical healing business. He has the authority and he put it on display right now, right here. And he's done it before in the past chapters where he had authority over the elements, over the earth over demons, over Satan, over death, over sin, everything. Authority over everything. And he was the ultimate answer for Bartimaeus, and he's the ultimate answer for us. Because when we see the life of Bartimaeus, it was changed forever immediately. Because yes, he was physically healed, but I also can't help to see the other side, that he was spiritually healed and saved. Because it says right here, he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. So Jesus heals us physically, but also spiritually. And that's why we're writing things down, because we're declaring, Lord, heal me. Heal us. And I don't know about you. You know, some of you are like, okay, me saying, I get it. You know, Jesus, he heals physically and spiritually. I've heard that before. Well, let me tell you, I don't think we can be reminded enough of how Jesus, both physically and spiritually, heals us. I don't think we could ever be reminded enough that 
Jesus literally eternally changed us and, turned, and changed our trajectory of life now and in the future. He changed the entire trajectory of our lives because we accepted this grace of God through faith. Man, I hope there are some of us in this room that have that experience, that have that kind of story of change and transformation. And if you do, please share it. Please share it. It's so encouraging to believers, and it's such a word of life to the non-believer. And so we've seen applicationally that as we think of our gospel platform that God has given us, we see ourselves in blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus having a personal recognition, but moving forward to a personal declaration. And lastly, one thing I want to point out is this personal transformation of Bartimaeus. And so when we think of that, our platform must begin with a personal transformation. The reason I say this is that we cannot see the way that God sees until we have his heart and that our hearts are transformed by him. We cannot move the way God moves in compassion until we have his heart and we're transformed to move in compassion like he moves. And that's something for us to truly look at and, and to understand that this transformation experience that Bartimaeus had, this, this blind beggar, it was literally a transformation that became the platform for him to share. Because whenever, whenever he was healed, it, it literally says right here that immediately he was healed and he saw his side and he followed Jesus and he praised God. But then at the very end it says, all the people praised him. When the people saw what God did, all the people praised him. And so we think of this place of our greatest influence. How are we sharing in which not only we're praising God, but others are as well? Because that is what we see happening right here. You know, for the believer in this room, I, <laughs> I hope you remember, I so hope you remember that before we had this encounter with the Lord, we were literally in dominion of darkness. We were in a dominion of darkness like Colossians 1 talks about. But then we were brought into the kingdom of life, the kingdom of light because of Jesus Christ. He is the one who healed and, 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 and restored us. And he's the one who literally has the answer to this deadly, deadly virus that all of us have called sin. It's a lot deadlier than any other virus in the whole world because it has a 100% death rate. And that really sucks. It really does, and it's like, man, that's really weird to think about. But I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss how Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus. And really today for us, I want to make sure that we're okay, that we ought to and we should and we can cry out to Jesus. And why is that? Well, let me tell you, your healer is in the room. Your provider is in the room. Your sustainer is in the room. Your answer is in the room. But what's so cool is that he's not just tethered to this room. He doesn't just stay here. He's omnipresent, he's all over. And so when we think about that, my goodness, he is here and he is there and he's everywhere. And so as we just look through this whole passage and what Jesus did and how, how Bartimaeus responded, I wanna to talk to the non-believer in the room you know, someone who hasn't put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. My goodness, if that's you this morning, I urge you, 
I urge you to respond to him today. I urge you to respond to this God who not only just created and just left it alone, but he created and, and he had compassion and he's like, well, I'm going to come down to your filth and, and I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice for you because an eternal debt requires an eternal payment and uh, I'm going to be here and I'm going to love you and I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. But then I'm going to look death in the face and sin in the face and say, you have no power over me. Yeah, that's right. And then he welcomes us into his family when we put our faith and his trust in him. And now for the believer in the room, man, I want to challenge you and encourage you as a pastoral staff. One thing that we talked about is that we need to be more aggressive with the gospel. We need to be more aggressive in the gospel, reminding ourselves of what God has done in our life and sharing that with others. And so I urge you, don't overlook people. Have compassion for people like Jesus did. And lastly, I want to talk to the, the believer in the room who feels this weird pool and, and, and calling. And maybe you don't even know how to, like, talk about it. But really, if you're someone in here who's feeling this, what's called call to ministry, which is this lifelong mission of using all of who I am and, and all of what I have for the glory of God and, like, you know, maybe get paid for it. That would be really cool. Maybe you're experiencing what's called a, a call to ministry. And I want to let you know you can respond in that way as well. So the way I want to end is this. Imagine the blind beggar today. Imagine the blind beggar is here today and he, maybe he's talking to the crowd or maybe he's going to people saying, hey, this is kind of what happened. And, and maybe you don't believe everything in this book. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you're really skeptical of religion and what all that looks like. Maybe you're just someone who doesn't think that they need something more than yourself. And I see the blind beggar looking at them and saying, look, I, I have failures. I have doubts. I have fears. I have all these things too. But there's one thing I know for sure. That's that I was blind. But now I see. Now I see. And it was Jesus, the one who healed me. You know, throughout our time together, I've asked you to write down a couple things, whether in your mind, whether on a piece of paper, whether on your phone. I've asked you to write down these places in your life that you're blind or write down, you know, if God was right here asking you, what do you want me to do? I asked you to write down your answer to that. Well, you know, family, right now is our time to respond to God. There's no better time than right now to respond to God because he has stopped in his tracks. You have his attention. You are on his mind. You're on his path. And he's the one who can heal you, open your eyes and transform you. Now my question is, what do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? So as I pray and as we sing, I'm gonna ask you, do not leave this place without responding to God. Do not leave this place just saying, hey, I'll do that later. But take this time to truly respond to God. And maybe that looks differently. You know, do it the way you feel led. Maybe it's singing louder than you've sang before. Maybe it's lifting up your hands because it's a physical representation of what's happened spiritually inside. And you wanna say, Lord, I do surrender all. Lord, you have paid it all. 
Maybe it's finding a leader in this room and saying, can you pray with me? Can I talk to you? You know, I'm gonna be over here to the side. If you wanna pray and talk to me, uh, that's awesome. I think that actually be really cool. But I'm gonna tell you, Rachel, she's gonna play and play and play and sing and sing and sing as long as she needs to. We're gonna have as much time as we need to respond in these different ways, whether you're a non-believer, a believer, called a ministry, whatever that looks like. I hope we never forget the compassion that Jesus showed us. Because when we see his compassion, I hope that would propel us to be compassionate to the people around us, to the community around us, to the situations in our life. So don't leave here this morning without crying out to the Lord because it's okay to cry out and say, yeah, God, I'm blind. Yeah, God, I need you. He hears our cry. He hears our cry for healing and our cry for salvation. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, we take a deep breath in, knowing that the air that we breathe is a blessing from you. Lord, there's not many times that we think of how our lungs work, but God, you're the creator and you know exactly how that works. This morning, Lord, I, I ask for forgiveness in the places that I've been blind. We ask for forgiveness in the places that we have just been so blind to and never even thought, Lord, help me see the places where I'm blind. And so God, right now, I pray that you would continue to work in the hearts of every single individual here. Lord, that as they cry out to you for healing, Lord, that they would feel you and encounter you. And that they would say, Lord, this is how I need that healing. God, thank you so much for all that you do and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.